if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed it is, and a good morning to you. Thanks for joining us. We are rolling now at eight minutes after the hour of nine o'clock on this Wednesday, the 27th morning of the first month of the year of our Lord, 2021. Coming up on the program in about a half an hour, we're going to be talking with former Ohio representative, rather congressional representative from Ohio, 16th Congressional District, uh, Jim Renacci. He's going to be joining us because he made an announcement yesterday. The announcement, however, is a little bit vague. It's an announcement that says he's going to make an announcement. That's pretty much what I took away from it. I'm going to ask him a little bit to be a little bit more specific for us, a little bit more direct. It has been long rumored that Congressman Renacci would be a candidate for governor of Ohio. As a matter of fact, that's because he once declared he was going to run for governor of Ohio after he left Congress. It was only President Donald Trump's plea for him and the White House's plea for him to challenge uh, Sherrod Brown for the U.S. Senate that stopped him from uh, his campaigning for Ohio governor. Uh, now that, uh, of course, that is gone, the question, a lot of people have said he's going to run for governor now and he's going to primary Mike DeWine. Maybe. Maybe. But now that we also know that Rob Portman is not seeking re-election to the United States Senate, it makes one wonder, is it time for another go at the Senate? So I'm just going to ask uh, Brad Jim see those questions point blank and see exactly what he plans uh, in the uh, very near future. So uh, that'll be coming up at 935. Other than Congressman Renacci, we've got a lot of room for you today at 216-901-0945 or 888-281-1110. Either, either one of those numbers will get you right here. Going to start today with the impeachment that never should have been. Uh, and, of course, what I mean by that is, the well, I could actually have a double meaning there. Because the ridiculous Ukraine impeachment in the summer of 2019 never should have been. That one was as much of a joke as this one is. But that one's over. They did not convict, which of course they shouldn't have because there never should have been any ridiculous charge brought. But this one is just as ridiculous, and I want to start there now. And it's ridiculous, of course, because the House voted with one week to go in the president's term to, (coughs) excuse me, 
to impeach him, knowing full well they could not do so before he left office, making the point of impeaching him moot. And what makes it also ridiculous is they did not give him due process. They did not hold a committee hearing. They did not present evidence so that the members of the House would have any reasonable idea on which way they should vote. Uh, they did not give an opportunity for defense. None of that took place. And so it's highly unconstitutional. But let's talk about the impeachment. It's the fact that it's so unconstitutional to try to impeach a man who's not there in the first place. And the fact that President Donald J. Trump in no way, shape, or form incited an insurrection on the day of the January 6th Capitol riots that had Senator Rand Paul yesterday on fire. Senator Paul was on the floor, and i got to tell you, I have such a love-hate relationship with Rand Paul. I do. There are so many things where he just stands up, and he is the most eloquent and the most passionate spokesman on behalf of the Constitution uh, that you'll ever see. And I just love him. I just love him. And then other times he gets into, we part ways on matters of foreign policy. He pretty much doesn't think the United States should be involved militarily anywhere. And, in fact, troops shouldn't be stationed around the globe, uh, that we should just be able to protect the homeland and the homeland only, and then somehow, if we've got to go to another part of the world to protect our interests or our allies, well, we'll scare, you know scatter, scatter at the time and, and get it all put together. So we disagree on a number of things with respect to national security and foreign policy. But, boy, oh, boy, when Rand Paul is right, Rand Paul is right. And yesterday, on the floor of the Senate, <clears throat> Rand Paul essentially uh, took the temperature of the Senate and found it to be very cold, excuse me, when it comes to uh, hope for impeachment among uh, the Democrats. Because the Democrats know they need at least 17 Republican senators to cross the line and vote to impeach him for a convict, or vote to convict him for a conviction to happen. It has to be two-thirds of the Senate. So Rand Paul took the temperature basically yesterday. And what Rand Paul found, thankfully, is that 45 of the 50 Republican senators said they did not think the impeachment trial should go forward. So if they don't think it should go forward, clearly they don't think the man should be impeached. So this is a waste of time from the very beginning. It's a sham impeachment, he called it. A sham impeachment, if you will. I like that. I want you to listen to just a little bit of what Rand Paul had to say as he spoke from the floor of the Senate uh, before having this vote, this procedural vote, to find out if um, the Senate believes that the trial should move forward. This is Rand Paul. Incited the reprehensible behavior and violence of January 6th when he said, I know everyone here will soon march to the Capitol to peacefully and patriotically make your voices heard. Peacefully and patriotically, hardly words of violence. But what of Democrat words? What of Democrat incitement to violence? No Democrat will honestly ask whether Bernie Sanders incited the shooter that nearly killed Steve Scalise and volunteer coach. The shooter nearly pulled off a massacre. I was there because he fervently believed the false and inflammatory rhetoric spewed by Bernie and other Democrats, such as the Republican health care plan for the uninsured is that you die. As this avowed Bernie 
supporters shot Steve Scalise, nearly killing him, and shot one of our coaches and two or three of our staff. He screamed, this is for health care. Ask me or anyone if that's incitement. No Democrat will ask whether Cory Booker incited violence when he called for his supporters to get, get up in their face of Congress people, a very visual and specific incitement. No Democrat will ask whether Maxine Waters incited violence when she literally told her supporters, and I quote, that if you see a member of the Trump administration at a restaurant, at an apartment store, at a gas station, or any place, you create a crowd and you push back on them. Is that not incitement? My wife and I were pushed and surrounded and screamed at by this same type of mob that Maxine likes to inspire. It's terrifying to have a swarm of people threatening to kill you, cursing at you and literally holding you hostage until police come to your rescue. That night we were assaulted by the crowd. I wasn't sure if we'd survive even with the police protection. But no Democrat has ever considered impeaching Maxine for her violent rhetoric. In fact, Republicans, to our credit, have never once thought it legitimate to formally censor or impeach these Democrats. No Republican has sought to use the government to hold these Democrats responsible for Antifa and Black Lives Matter violence that has consumed our cities all summer resulting in over a billion dollars of destruction, looting, and property damage. Not one Republican said, oh, let's impeach the Democrats who are inciting this, because it would be ridiculous. Many on the Democrat side of the aisle cheered them on. Kamala Harris famously offered to pay the bill for those who were arrested. I wonder if she'll be brought up on charges of inciting violence for that now that she's vice president. Should Kamala Harris be impeached for offering to pay for violent people to get out of jail who've been burning our cities down? No. And no Republican has offered that. I'm going to jump in there and uh, <laughs> and say that this is perhaps the one point that I disagree with Rand Paul on. As he correctly pointed out, many Democrats cheered from the sidelines as riots enveloped Minneapolis and uh you know portland and seattle and other big left-wing cities left-wing run cities uh including cleveland for crying out loud washington dc they actually encouraged it saying this is the voiceless making their voices heard and kamala harris did literally raise funds to get these violent criminals out of jail and i said she should be held accountable for that so i disagree with Rand paul she should be because what she and what they were doing is literally fomenting and and fanning the flames of and supporting tacitly or overtly violence. What Donald Trump said on that stage on uh, January 6th was nowhere near any of that. No encouragement of, of violence, no orders, no directives, no wink, wink, now go tear apart the Capitol. Nothing. Nothing of the sort. In fact, it was just the opposite. He told everybody, what I want you to do is cheer. That's right. What I want you to do is cheer. We're going to go down there to Capitol Hill. We're going to cheer on our brave senators who are pushing back against this stolen election so that they don't certify it. And let's cheer them on peacefully, and let's cheer them on patriotically. That's it. 
a far cry from what Democrats have called for um, when it comes to, you know, individuals or things that they disapprove of. We're going to walk down to the Capitol. And we're going to cheer on our brave senators and congressmen and women. I know that everyone here will soon be marching over to the Capitol building to peacefully and patriotically make your voices heard. So to compare that to what the litany that Rand Paul ran through yesterday, you know, Bernie Sanders supporter shooting up the Republican baseball team, the congressional baseball team, literally. Thank God that there were police officers there on scene to help protect the uh, the, the, the uh, members of Congress who shot back, and only Steve Scalise <clears throat> nearly lost his life. But others were hit as well. He's the only member of the of Congress that was actually hit. But talking about <clears throat> that, talking about whether Democrats like Maxine Waters incited the violence against people like Rand Paul and his wife, what Cory Booker said, I was so glad. In fact, let me hear more from Rand Paul. Because we're not going down the road that Democrats have decided, this low road of impeaching people for political speech. Should Republicans impeach the Democrat mayor of Seattle, who incited and condoned violence by calling the armed takeover of part of her city a summer of love? Any Republicans try to impeach her? On June 8th, the New York Post citing U.S. Justice Department statistics reported that more than 700 law enforcement officers were injured during the Antifa Black Lives Matter riots. There were at least 19 murders, including 77-year-old retired police officer David Dorn. Yet Democrats insist on applying a test of incitement to a Republican that they refuse to apply to themselves. I want the Democrats to raise their hands if they have ever given a speech that says, take, back, fight for your country. Who hasn't used the words fight figuratively? And are we going to put every politician in jail? Are we going to impeach every politician who has used the words fight figuratively in a speech? Shame. Shame on these angry, unhinged partisans who are putting forth this sham impeachment, deranged by their hatred of the former president. That was Rand Paul yesterday on the floor of the Senate uh, as a part of his questioning as to whether or not there was support for impeachment. Forty-five Republicans out of the 50 said, no, we should not move forward with impeachment. His argument was persuasive. His argument was accurate. Most importantly, his argument was accurate. All of those Democrats who have incited far more literal violence and then tried to pay to get those violent people out of jail. Kamala Harris, for example, a thousand times worse than anything Donald Trump ever said. And yet nobody has made a move to impeach. He could have gone back, by the way, a few years to Stephanie Rawlings Blake. You remember her? Former mayor of Baltimore who after the Freddie Gray incident and the uh, acquittal or the lack of charges being brought against the officers in that case, saw riots break out, arson, smash, all the normal things you see at BLM and Antifa riots. And she told the police to stand down and said, people who want to destroy, we will give them room and space to destroy. I, I want you to think about that. 
That's not just inciting violence. That's saying we encourage it. Go for it. We're going to give you all the room you want to commit violence and to destroy things. It is unbelievable. It is incomprehensible. All right, I want your thoughts at 216 Right back. Somehow it seems I've heard these words before. Did you forget to turn the page? Okay, it's 926. We continue on AM 1420, The Answer. Don't forget, coming up after the bottom of the hour news, we're going to talk to Jim Renacy, who uh, sent out a press release yesterday saying that I have an announcement to make, and that announcement is that I'm going to make an announcement later after I make some decisions. <laughs> uh, no, it kind of pretty much says that, and that's why I've asked him to come on to talk about it more specifically, and he's agreed to do so, so I'm looking forward to that conversation. Is he going to run for governor? Is he going to run for the Senate? Is he going to do something out of uh, you know out of left field? I don't know, but we're going to find out with him in just a few. Let's go to uh, Illyria and talk to Pete on AM 1420, The Answer. Good morning, Pete. Hey, Bob. I've got, uh, first of all, uh, I totally agree with you on Rand Paul. Uh, love, hate. Yeah, because when he's right, man, he is right, and he is passionate, and he makes great arguments, and I love him for that. I just wish he wasn't so isolationist in terms of uh, foreign policy, but that's that's about the only thing I disagree with him on. Secondly, go Panthers and go Cardinals. That's another thing. <laughs> um, and this may get you uh, your, your license lost, but uh, China virus, China virus, China virus. That is insane. <laughs> well, it is exactly that. And it is unbelievable to me that anybody in the new Biden administration uh, can t- and, of course, in the WHO can continue to question where the virus originated. It originated in Wuhan, China. Uh, and you are a thousand percent correct. I call it the Chinese coronavirus. I call it the China virus. I don't care if you want to call it the Kung flu. You call it what you want. But it was made in a lab in China. There is ample evidence proving that. And it was released upon in the world, creating misery, death, and economic calamity for billions of people worldwide. And uh, yes, the Communist Chinese Party deserves to bear the brunt of the criticism for that. Anything else, Pete? Oh, okay. Have a good no. Have a Thank great you. day. Thank you, brother. Appreciate the phone call. Uh, yeah, I mean, it is. I, and I don't care if anybody is in, offended by China virus, because guess what? I'm saying this out loud, and I'm not tweeting it, so there's no bird watcher who can tell me or can uh, flag my tweet and say, this is misinformation. Yeah, you heard about the bird watch program that Twitter put in place? We'll talk about that, too. Uh, let's go to TJ in Cleveland first, though. Hey, TJ, go ahead. You know, Bob, the most egregious thing I think I've seen recently was when Chuck Schumer stood on the steps of the Supreme Court and threatened two Supreme Court justices that you will reap the whirlwind and we will take you out. Now, I'm going to tell you, Bob, if you said that or I said that or any of your listeners, I guarantee within an hour you'd have Homeland Security and FBI at your front door. How did he get away with that? That's an impeachable offense right there. You made a direct threat to Supreme Court justices, and that's okay. Well, as you know, as you know, TJ, uh, if Democrats didn't have double standards, they would have no standards at all. The laws and the rules of cancel and impeachment and accountability and censure, et cetera, only apply to Republicans and only reply to conservative ideology and thought. It is it is Democrat. And thank you for the call, TJ. Democrats are the only ones who enjoy the free speech that they themselves are continuing to try and suppress. Think about that for a moment. 
Democrats have the freedom of speech guaranteed by the First Amendment to the Constitution. They have the freedom of speech to try to take away your freedom of speech. Now, you ponder that little conundrum for a few. We'll talk more about that later, too. But right now, it's 930. We'll get news. Talk to Jim Renacy next. AM 1420, The Answer. Okay, 935, let's continue on AM 1420, The Answer. A lot of ground to cover today, and i got a lot of calls to hear uh, from you, uh, or to take from you, rather, because there's a lot of things I need to learn from you today. There's a lot of ground. But now I want to bring on a guest, a frequent guest of this program when he was in Congress, and uh, he's been a semi-frequent guest since he's been out because he's been very active working with Ohio's Future Foundation, founding it, as a matter of fact. Yesterday, a press release was sent from this gentleman, or his team anyway, that reads, and I quote, It's time. Yesterday's decision by Senator Portman to retire opens an opportunity to change the direction of Ohio. Clearly, 2022 will be the year of primaries from the U.S. Senate and governor to U.S. Congress. Because we have a chance to make Ohio first again, I will be exploring my options to re-enter public office over the next 60 days. During this exploratory deep dive phase, which I'm calling unfinished business, I will be speaking with voters across our great state about the challenges we face and the opportunities we see ahead. It's time to change Ohio. The signatory, of course, is Jim Renacy, former Ohio 16th Congressional District Representative. Congressman, good morning. How are you, sir? Good morning, Bob. How are you? I'm good. I, uh, I, I saw a note on Monday that said you were going to be uh, making a, a pretty big announcement on Tuesday, and then I read the announcement and I said, well, wait a minute, he just made an announcement that says I'm going to make an announcement in 60 days. <laughs> so I, uh, I'm going to try to jump the gun, and I'm going to ask you uh, what we're talking about here. Are we talking about a primary challenge to Governor Mike DeWine, Congressman, or are we talking about perhaps making another run at the Senate now that Rob Portman has stepped aside? Well, Bob, first off, thank you for having me. And and the the press release really says it all. It is time. And this opens up, with Rob Portman stepping down, it opens up a great opportunity for Ohio because what we have now is an opportunity for primaries. And the reason why my press release reads as it is, you know that I've been an advent believer that Ohio has to change and that the federal government is broken and that there are serious problems at the federal government level with the way they do things. And, of course, um, that's one of the reasons I left, because I saw that we we have to fix Ohio. The problem is, look at all the people that have lined up to start jumping into the Senate race. We've got the same type of people in many cases, establishment people. So one of the reasons why I put the press release the way it is is now I want to I'm hoping that people step up. I reached out to Jim Jordan uh, last night, actually, and asked him uh, if he's getting in the Senate race, telling him that I'd be 100% supportive of him if he did it. Um, these are the type of times in our state that we have a, t- a chance to change. But at the same time, I realized last time when I got in the governor's race and got that call from President Trump that mm-hmm. asked me to get into the Senate race, but I always have to be careful, especially in these times, because the last thing I would need uh, is to jump in to a race and then have the president, well, former president, um, call me and say, hey, Jim, I'd really like you to get into the Senate race. So I learned a little bit of a lesson two years ago, um, but I do believe, Bob, this is a chance. 
I'm now going to spend the next 60 days sorting out who's getting in, who's not getting in. I do think there's a need to block some of the people who are getting in. I mean, perfect example, Lieutenant Governor John Eustad. Why would we want him to be our U.S. Senator? And he's talking about getting in. Uh, so I think the next 60 days I'm going to be talking to people, finding out what their thoughts are. We have to change Ohio. We have a time and an opportunity to do it. Now's the time. And you know we're going to probably have uh, at least one primary race in the 16th district, which I don't even know if the 16th district will be around anymore uh, because with yeah. the redistricting, we may only get down to 15 districts. So this is a time, Bob. I'm glad your listeners are hearing this because this is a time for us to change things in Ohio. Congressman, uh, let me dig a little deeper into your conversation with uh, Jim Jordan, because um, when Rob Portman announced he was not going to run for re-election, blaming uh, partisanship in D.C., which I don't know if he's new or not, but it's always been partisan and it's been nasty for a long time. But at any rate, he can't handle the partisanship anymore and said he's stepping aside. Uh, most of the people I heard from said, Jordan, Bob, talk to you, because I talk to him every Monday like I used to talk to you every Friday. Bob, ask Jordan if he'll run for the Senate. We want him to run for the Senate. Anytime I mention the Ohio governor's position, people say, is Renacy going to run? Is Renacy going to run? They seem to, again, just people who reach out to me, listeners and whatnot, seem to have you earmarked for the governor's office and Jim Jordan for the uh, Portman Senate position. So when you asked him that question, can you, and I don't know if what you guys talked about was off the record, but can you give us any, uh, you know, an idea of, of you know, which, which, you know, the two of you guys would prefer? Well, look, I think Jim's always going to do, in, in his mind, what's best for his country and what's best for the state. Um, I don't believe Jim's uh, considering the governor's race. I do believe Jim wants to do what's best, and he thinks he can get most of what he wants to get accomplished in Washington. That's my opinion. You'll have mm -hmm. to ask him. Sure. Uh, but I also believe, I mean, it's one of the interesting things when people say, we need to get Jim Jordan as a governor. I don't think Jim's. Um, interested, but you can ask him that. I do think his seat on the Judiciary Committee is very important. Uh, he has to evaluate, if again, this is in my opinion, um, he has to evaluate, and he said this public yesterday, he has to evaluate whether they can take back the House, and he will then be the ranking, the, uh, the chairman of the Judiciary Committee, which is pretty powerful, mm -hmm. or whether he runs for Senate. And I think he'll evaluate those things and make a decision. But uh, I would love nothing What about more. you? What about you now? How do you evaluate those things? Because I think you could do uh, a lot of good for the people of Ohio in the United States Senate, which is why, of course, I and so many others supported you against Brown. Uh, now this would be a different race, of course, with no incumbent there. So I could see you doing a lot of good in the Senate, but as well as, you know, you've been focused with Ohio's Future Foundation now for, you know, the last couple of years on, on fixing this state from within it. So what, what, is, what does your mind tell What does your gut tell you at this stage? I know you said you got a 60-day deep dive in front of you but what is your gut telling you right now well i'm going to keep talking to people it's interesting when i put that out i'm i'm either people say either run for senate people say run for governor and then there's those who call me a rhino which i, I always go back to them and say please explain why you're i'm a rhino and i have to go through that conversation with them you know wh whether i'm wearing a mask with my grandchild or whatever these are you know look this is about rights and freedoms and making sure that nobody takes those rights away from you and if you wear a mask I don't want to get into that subject, but if you wear a mask, 
that's your right, as long as the government's not telling you you have to. And so those are the conversations I'm having right now with people. But I truly do believe Washington is seriously broken. It is spending too much money. They're not even talking about it anymore. We're going to cross $30 trillion, and someday, as I said three years ago, that's going to come back and kick Ohio, because Ohio, 23% of Ohio's incoming dollars are federal subsidy dollars. So all it's going to take is for the federal government someday, which they're going to have to, to say no more, we're not spending any more, we're not going to give the state of Ohio any more money, and Ohio is going to be in deep trouble. Ohio spends too much, they tax too much, all of those issues which I do believe are important. But at the same time, this is my concern. If you get the same type of people running for U.S. Senate, like uh, Lieutenant Governor John Eustad, like some of the other people that are saying they're going to step up, then I seriously believe those individuals need to be blocked, um, and need, they need to be primary as well. So um, that's going to be my discussion over the next 60 days. Who is... Who is getting in, watching who gets in, because decisions will be made over the next 60 days. We're talking to a former Congressman Jim Renacci, who is contemplating a return to public service, running for either governor or senator. Um, Congressman, let's talk about the state of Ohio, and let's talk about Mike DeWine. You have been very critical of him from uh, the beginning of this pandemic, and you know the criticism that you have talked about, and I have joined, by the way, goes to... Uh, you know, it actually predates uh, the onset of the pandemic, which is about a year ago, uh, because Ohio was lagging far behind the rest of the country in job creation. It was it was lagging far behind the rest of the country in economic growth. Um, and it doesn't make any sense because the Trump tax cuts and the Trump deregulation and all of the things that President Trump put into his uh, economic policy just was a boon for uh, for the country. Um, how one state could be so far behind when everybody else seemed to be benefiting from those great federal policies is something that is a mystery to me. But you have uh, you've criticized Mike DeWine for his handling of the economy again pre and post pandemic. So what what can you tell us about now and um, uh, whether you decide to challenge him or not? Whether or not he can be effective as the as a governor of this state again. Well, look, go back to 2019. We were losing 6,200 jobs. That was pre-pandemic, and that was Ohio. Ohio has been losing ground for years. Somebody told me the other day, which is the perfect word for Governor DeWine, he's a maintenance governor. He just continues to maintain it as it is. Well, maintenance isn't enough. We have to have new ideas, new changes, and I was very critical of him. Quite frankly, my criticism stopped for a while because I got contacted by the Trump campaign who said, Jim, we need you to stop. We need to win Ohio. We don't want division in Ohio. Um, so I did. I pulled back some of that criticism. We started talking about the coronavirus. Uh, but when Mike DeWine said he was going to bring in refugees, I went back to criticizing him. <clears throat> but in the end, if you notice, after November 3rd, after the president at least got um, Ohio and won Ohio, I started to really talk about Ohio again. I'm going to continue to talk about it. Ohio is going in the wrong direction. The policies are bad. This governor continues to follow the same policies of the past. People call me and say, well, those are Republican policies. No, they're not. Republican policies are different than the policies that we are going forward with. So 
you know, we need a state. Let, let's that, let's hold on, hold on a second. Let's go further there, um, because I'm glad you started to say that. My next question to you was going to be is, hey, if DeWine is so bad and we have been falling behind for years and his predecessor was John Kasich, also a Republican, how do we tell Ohioans to vote for another Republican like Jim Renacci? How come we how come they're not going to automatically think the Democrats have to have a better idea? Well, I think it's because we got to start talking about the policies. And you know what? That's, that's of course, what I've been criticized by the ORP chairwoman. But, you know, she'll say that Jim Renese is not a real Republican if he's criticizing, um, you know, Republican leadership. No, I'm criticizing leaders who don't have Republican policies and processes. And that's what we got to continue to talk about. I, look, Mike DeWine's a nice man. He's a nice gentleman. But at the same time, uh, as the individual told me, he's on maintenance with policies that aren't working. They haven't been working. And by the way, they haven't been working for 20 plus years. And some of them are Democrat policies. So let's change the policies. Let's start looking at states that are working, like Tennessee, like Florida, you know, states that have, like South Dakota. These states have changed things. And, and I got to tell you, Bob, what's interesting is if you throw an idea out, people say that's a horrible idea. Well, then why let's just keep going the same way we are. You're going to keep complaining. We've got to make some changes. The best place to start is looking at Republicans in other states that are winning. Their states are growing. Their economies are growing. And I'm telling you, it's not the weather. If I hear that one more time, it's not the weather. States prosper even in bad weather because they use the assets they have That's to right. move themselves forward. That's absolutely true. And Congressman, so the last thing I'll ask you about all of this, and again, I really appreciate you coming on to expand a little bit upon a press uh, release that basically said, I'm going to do something. I just don't know what yet. Uh, in the next 60 days, I'll figure that out. Um, how much will what you have constantly complained about in Washington, D.C. affect your decision? You know, you, when you, somebody called me the other day because I mentioned you leaving D.C. and the first time, and he said, he didn't leave D.C., he got beat. You know, he thinks for some reason that you didn't leave the 16th uh, district uh, seat voluntarily to run for governor of Ohio. He thinks that you just lost, uh, if, you know, to Sherrod Brown, uh, completely, you know, uh, mixing up your, 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 your offices. Um, but when you left the 16th, one of the things that you said was, is, you know, the process was so broken uh, being in Washington, it, it felt almost defeated. You felt almost defeated, and I'm paraphrasing here very generally. So correct me if you if you want to about that. But but you basically said the process was so broken, um, you didn't feel like you could be as effective in fixing it uh, because of the depth of the problems there, and you wanted to come home to Ohio and help this state. Then, as you point out, you got drafted, if you will, by President Trump in the White House, saying, "Hey, why don't you run against Sherrod Brown?" Which you almost pulled off against all odds. So since you left D.C. because of those issues you described and that I just paraphrased, why would you want to go get back into the mix, into the Senate side? The process is still going to be broken, right? Well, you're exactly right. And it's one of the reasons why I said I'm going to evaluate over the next 60 days, because I also believe we can't put bad people back in there. So I'm hoping somebody steps up um, I'm, or, or I'll step into that challenge. That might be the reason I do it. I, I think D.C. is broken. I believe. I, I'm not saying I think. I know it's broken. I lived yeah. it. And by the way, Bob, I had somebody uh, post something the other day. It says, I'll never vote for you because you, you did not vote to overturn the election two weeks ago. And it's like, I'm not in Congress anymore. <laughs> and, people and, get and, confused. Bob, it just shows, right. It just shows you that people sometimes don't understand. They haven't followed through. They haven't seen that I left Washington because... I was frustrated 
And look, I've said this even in my book. If you're there longer than eight years and you're somebody who get, got something done in their life and their career and was a, you know, in business, I was successful. I woke up every day. I got things accomplished. And then you go to Washington and all you do is get up, you go to meetings, you get nothing accomplished in Washington. Now, I will say, as a congressman, I was able to get a lot done back in the district for our veterans and for a lot of our constituents, but I wasn't able to change things, and that's my fear. You know, if, if people see my Facebook page, they'll see that I'm holding my seven-month-old grandson now, and I'm saying, it's about this guy right now, and we are not fixing that, and Washington is broken. And I think anybody that goes down there, I still talk to my colleagues, they laugh at me and say, Jim, you did the best thing in the world getting out of here because this place is even worse today than it was three years ago. And I think that's one of the reasons Senator Portman's leaving. But I think at the same time, we can fix it, but it's got to start here. It's got to start in Ohio. It's got to start in the local states. And we have to make our states, remember, states gave the federal government limited power. Today, the federal government is taking absolute power with with you know executive overreach and all these other things we got to first get our state in order you know one of the ideas i'm going to be promoting in ohio is we got to get our education system back you know we you know i hate to say this but lieutenant governor uh when he was senator used brought in um uh, common core because there was funding from the state government from the federal government i, w- I want to give that back hey federal government Take all that money back. We're going to run our own educational program on our own. And and I know that's a long reach. That's not something you do in your first year. But that's the kind of direction we got to do in Ohio. we got to take it back. And then Ohio has to be one of those strong states that says, we're going to push for term limits for our senators. We're not going to take any more of this federal money. We're going to do what we need to do because we're going back to the basis that the federal government has limited powers and we're going to run our state the way we should. And I hope that we can put people in Washington that believe the exact same thing. Congressman Jim Renacci, former congressman of the 16th Congressional District, now considering a run for governor or a run for Rob Portman's Senate seat, laying out uh, all of the challenges uh, that would uh, lie in front for both potential offices. Congressman, really appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much. Please keep us in mind uh, uh, to let us know first when uh, you do make your decision in the next 60 days. Well, thank you again, Bob, for having me, and I hope your listeners are listening and saying, yes, we do have a time. We do have a chance for change, and now's the time. Yes, sir. I agree with you wholeheartedly. Thank you, sir. 9.52 now. Let's uh, take a quick time out right back on AM 1420, The Answer. All right, 957, we'll continue on AM 1420. The answer coming up in hour number two, all kinds of room for your phone calls. Uh, we are guest-free in hour number two. We're going to talk in hour number two about equity versus equality. Do you know the difference? A lot of people do not. They use the words, those words interchangeably. They could not be more far apart. One of them is desired. The other is dangerous. And we'll talk about why coming up. Also, what is your social credit score? That's not your credit score. It's your social credit score. And if you don't know what that means, you're also going to want to be listening in hour number two because I'm going to tell you what it means, and I'm going to talk to you about the danger of that. It's being pushed and prodded to being a thing that defines your life by the American left and big tech today. And that's the little teaser. I'll give you the rest of it after the top of the hour. Let's go to Ron. 
who is in uh, Grafton on AM 1420, The Answer. Hi, Ron. Go right ahead. Hey, Bob. I just want to say keep up the good work. Uh, never give up. Thank you, sir. Um, a couple of questions. Uh, one is I'm getting sick and tired. I'm sorry this is off topic, but I'm getting sick and tired of this cancel culture routine, and I'd like to know if there's somewhere, some way, we can find a list of these people that are actively canceling people. Uh, I heard something the other day that Mike Lindell's products have been canceled out of Bed Bath and Beyond and a few other stores just because he he believes in conservatism. Um, anyway, if we don't know, uh, if we don't have a list, we need to make one somewhere and have an alternative to those particular businesses. And the other thing is, I know you have spoken with a lady, I believe a Medina, that is part of the conservative movement, and I don't know where to find that information, because I think I'm going to get off my dead butt and start doing something. <laughs> well, you know what? Like first of all, the name of the party. First of all, that is a great message because that's what we all need to do. We need to kind of stop just griping about it and get up and do something. And I think that's a very encouraging thing to hear you say. You're talking about Lisa Woods in Medina, and she runs Medina County Friends and Neighbors, uh, which is a very wonderful conservative organization that welcomes everybody of all political stripes. But they are going to talk about the things that are important to conservatives, law and order, the Constitution, our rights, etc., and to defend them. That's why I was a guest speaker there, Peter Kersenow, Jack Windsor, many others. So that is a local, you know, that's local to Medina. And thank you for the call, Ron. i got to get to our news here. Uh, that's local to Medina, but those kinds of clubs and organizations exist in other places, too. <clears throat> and and if there isn't one in your neck of the woods, you should start one. And what it is, it's you know, starts out as a small group of people. Sometimes they grow to being very, very large, getting together whether there's a guest presenter or just everyone sitting in a room talking about these things together and what can we do on the very local level, the smallest level possible to start fomenting great change on a larger scale. And uh, that's very important to do. So I appreciate that. As to your first question about a list, uh, I, ta- I had an interview with somebody about a week ago, maybe two, um, who did exactly that, just talked about the worst offenders of cancel culture talking about individuals that are trying to make sure if you are conservative, you are silenced. And most of them are associated with big tech, but other corporations as well. And, yes, providing alternatives to those. Um, that interview was about a week, a week or two ago. I'll see if I can find the information on that. Perhaps I'll share that uh, to kind of give you a little bit of what you're looking for. Right now we'll get to news. We'll come back with all of that. on. 